Hello and welcome to another installment of the Wire Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today, I'm very pleased to say we are joined by Nime Tavele Rutsari. Nime is the founder of Sempreente. He is one third of the Italian football podcast and has written for the likes of Football Italia, Forza Italian Football and Goal. Uh, Nima joins us today as we discuss this season's Serie A, leaders AC Milan, Juventus' struggles to date, and we'll take a look at the January transfer windows and all the dealings, well, not them all, but some of the dealings <laughs> in uh, Serie A this year in Italy. So, Nima, welcome to the show. How are you? I know you've had a, a very busy day today. Yeah, no, it's been really busy. We were we recorded uh, the an interview with uh, Jay Bothroyd, former Arsenal, Cardiff, and Perugia player, uh, just a few hours ago, actually, um, and uh, had to get that edited and and, and cut and, and fixed and, and posted because uh, that's because that's yeah we 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 publish two episodes a week minimum on the Italian football podcast. We have a review show on Mondays and then we have an interview show on on Thursdays, um, and we. We, we couldn't get because he lives in Japan and we couldn't get him until today. So it was a little bit stressful. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we've been really lucky. We're really grateful. We've had Sven Goran Eriksson, Roy Hodgson. We've oh, had, wow. Yeah, we've had um, uh, Catania president uh, Joe Tacopina, former Bologna and Venezia president. So yeah, we've been, we also had a, 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 you know, we try to do anything with a culture connection. Like, so we had yeah. uh, wor- boxing ch- world champion Poli Malinaggi as well. It was a huge, oh, huge, yes, huge. Yes, a good one. Yeah, he's a huge Calcio fan. So so we, we try to keep it like anyone in or around Calcio uh, as, as much as possible. So check us out, patreon.com slash TIFB. <laughs> a little plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah plug. <laughs> uh, so, so, so to, to summarize, Nima, we're very, 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 very fortunate to have you on the podcast today Thank because you your, your time is extremely precious uh so that's that that's thank you for coming on oh my pleasure yeah absolutely just to kick things off Nima, then we'll we'll start by looking at the window just gone um in january obviously the deadline has passed oh, was the deadline passed in italy Nima? yeah it closed on tuesday sorry yeah monday 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 not tuesday monday. yeah because often, often the european uh windows can differ so i'm just making sure i'm not <laughs> yeah. no 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 it can no no i can it can i think i think it's yeah you're right i think i think germany usually is open a few. I'm not sure, but I, I think it, I think they've it used to be like that before. But I think they changed it to make it all close on the same day. Yeah, because I remember Wenger used to whinge about that because uh, oh. because the, the English one used to close sooner, and and he was really annoyed with that. But he's not there anymore. But so that, I think that was one of the funniest <laughs> things about that was that when he finally got his way, he was no longer in charge of Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no surprise to hear a Wenger uh, whinging uh, at all. Uh, so to kick things off, Nima, uh, very general question here on the, on the window. So Inter, Juve, Roma and Napoli um, have all been fairly quiet uh, in this window. Is that come as a, as a surprise to you? Obviously, we know Juve haven't had the same sort of season they've had in recent years and so currently languishing in fourth. Yeah, but the thing is with Juventus, um, I don't, they don't need to. They did everything they needed to do in the summer. They brought in Kulusevski, they brought in Artur Melo, they brought in McKenney. Um, they 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 did everything they needed to do in the summer, and they got rid of Higuain and and Matuidi, and now they finally got rid of Kedira, much to the delight of the Juventus <laughs> fans, um, who've been trying to offload that one for quite some time. Uh, he went to Hertha Berlin. In Bundesliga, yep. so no, I mean the thing is, this is this is um, Juve are doing a, are going through a generational change. 
Um, they're going through, you know, so they, which they which they are ruthlessly good at. You've, if there's no one in it, Italian football or world football, I'd say, who are so good at this this generational change and and to get that done and working uh, as you know as quickly as possible and in no time as possible. You are absolute masters of that, um, and and they've certainly done it now. I mean, look at it now. Look at the midfield: Bentancur, Artur Melo, and McKenny have what. 22, 23 years each. Yeah. Uh, uh, you have Dejan Kulusevski, <laughs> what, 20, 21, 19. Mm. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, the, their backups are Aaron Ramsey and Rabio, who aren't too old. Uh, Cuadrado and Danilo and uh, are, are a little bit more experienced, but then they have Delicht and Demiral in defense. Um, so, no, they, they've already started it. I mean, the, the next phase of the rejuvenation will obviously be when Cristiano Ronaldo leaves. And mm. see when that happens, but yeah, yeah. So, so from me, um, how has Western McKinney been? Because there's has been this huge influx of uh, American talent moving into Europe, mm. in particular in in Germany, in England. Yeah. We have Christian Pulisic, and I know I watched Western McKinney for Schalke a bit last year, and he seemed like a really good player. And I thought the step up to Juventus was steep, and I was interested to see how he would kind of combat that. So, how has he gone down over there so far? No, I mean he did. He did struggle a little bit uh, in the beginning, but that was expected. I mean, we're talking about a 22, 23 year old who played in the Bundesliga, coming to a new country, new culture, and, and Italy obviously is Serie A being much more tactical and more difficult to uh, to 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 understand and decipher. I mean, Christian Eriksen still hasn't got it, if we're perfectly honest, and he's one of the he was one of the best players in the Premier League, so uh, he's starting to get it now after a year about roughly 12 months so it takes time to you know to understand the football especially if you're playing for a big side like Juve or Inter or Milan or Roma because the teams defend very deep against you and they're tactically very sound um, so I, I think he's done more than you know beyond all expectations uh, that, that I had I I didn't think he'd do this well this early the player who struggled a bit more was Artur Melo he really struggled in the beginning uh much more than McKenney, uh, and and is finally now slowly coming into it. And I mean, this is a player that came from Barcelona, so yeah. um, no, it's uh, I, I'm, I I I think he's been really really good. I think he's they complement each other that midfield really well. That's the midfield trio they need to play: uh, McKenney, uh, Bentancur, and uh, Artur Melo. Um, with Federico Chiesa on a wing, uh, or or if you know, I mean, Pirlo wants to formations don't really matter to Pirlo. It's more about he's he's more obsessed about positions in attacking mm. and defensive phases and where he wants players and numbers to be. Um, so the formation isn't really that important, but it's quite clear that he wants to have a three-man midfield of those three. He wants to have Chiesa on a wing and Kulusevski as a second striker or or a trequartista, as they say in Italy, and mm. and that's the position that. Kulusevski Kulusevsky himself actually prefers to play him. That's where he thinks he's the best. He he's at his best. Uh, although he plays a little bit further up the pitch now than than a classic trequartista. He plays more of a seconda punta or second striker, as he as they say in Italy. So, no, it's um, Juve are looking good, and and Morata has you know has done that well there before, and he's done really well there uh, this season they're, they're looking really good i'm you know they were always going to be teething issues for pirlo yeah so you, you meant well firstly you referenced trecorista which absolutely absolutely love <laughs> a bit of a football manager reference but <laughs> one from the past and it was it's always good to hear uh but yes on to F- fiaco tamori uh the first man on my list as an incoming is probably the 
the largest signing, even though on a loan deal, obviously the the view to buy is around £26 million, pounds, mm. quite a lot for a Serie A club or even similar to, to consume if they do decide to bring uh, him in. So do you think Tomori will be a regular starter at Milan? I know he started against Bologna um, the other day. I think um, he's been very impressive. I mean, when you have... The thing is, Alessio Romagnoli is not a very fast player. He's a good. Yeah. He's good in positioning, and and he's good at marking tightly when 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 you defend deep, you know, in the box. But the thing is, with 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 teams like Milan and big teams in Europe, that you know, all the big, they don't defend that much in the box anymore. They, you you know, they play with a pretty high line, and Romagnoli is not quick enough. He can't react quick enough. He's not fast enough. He doesn't have the pace. Tomori has all those things. So I think with between Romagnoli's read of the game and and with Tomori's pace and and quickness and and they, they can play with a high with a line that's that's pretty high up the pitch um which is how Pioli wants to play um and I think I think if they you know that he can do a job for them I think if he does well Milan will move you know heaven and hell to to keep him because that's the you know that's what Milan are doing now they are investing in young players yeah. Um, they are, you know, they're doing exactly what Inter used to do up until this past summer, when, and you know, the effects of the COVID pandemic really, really felt, following you know the Chinese government uh, restrictions on investment in sports in general, but also sports abroad. You know, it's considered a non-essential business. Um, it's a luxury essentially. So, you know, Inter had to throw away their their previously five-year plan, uh, whilst Milan decided to after the whole Rangnick debacle and, and keeping Pioli and all that mess that was there, they decided to know we're gonna keep, you know, we're, we're gonna, you know, except for uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Manjukic and a few others, they're going to build around the core core of players they already have in Kessi, Chalanoglu, uh, and then yeah. bring in bringing quality young players like Teo Hernandez, uh, etc. Uh, et so Milan have a really interesting project. I think I think Milan and Tonali, of course, who who many you know a lot of people following the Serie A will say, oh, he's been rubbish so far, but mm, he's only 21, 22 years old. This is it's his second season in the Serie A. It's his fourth mm. season at playing first team football. He played two years in the Serie B and one year at a Brescia that were an absolute eyesore to watch. And he was the only <laughs> he was the only one there who actually knew how to play football. Um and he was great there. Uh and uh, so so I expect and, and you know the, the the this the huge gap, the leap that you take when you go from Brescia to a small provincial team to a to Milan. It's 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 not just going to meal. It's not just changing teams. It's everything. It's everything around the media mm. coverage, the the lifestyle. Everything changes dramatically. So aside from the from the big boys and well, Roma are one, and we saw the return of, and I I didn't know this until just today, but the return of Stefan Stefan El Shawari, uh, and I was shocked to see that he's still only twenty eight years old. Well, that's the thing. He's been around for so long, hasn't he? Um, it's uh, you forget that he's not that old. But El Sharawi was supposed to sign for Roma already in the summer, but they couldn't get the deal done. Okay. Um, so that was pretty much going to be done anyway. And then you have the Brian Reynolds thing, uh, where they were where Roma signed him for the future. Roma have a really interesting young group of players, um, which which is going to be very interesting to see how they you know how they move forward. Uh, I think Jekyll, the Jekyll situation was handled by simply, you know, 
letting everything calm down. Um, I think he'll slowly be worked back into the squad, but I do think he'll leave in the summer. Uh, I think that relationship is coming to an end. Uh, but me, you know, if you look at the the players they have, they have a really, really interesting young group of of, of players. I mean, they all do: Milan, Juve, uh, Roma, uh, Napoli to a certain extent, except for Inter, who they are in trouble. Inter are in a world of trouble. They have mountain of debt. Uh, they have they have Chinese owners who are looking to leave they have to leave mm. because they can't invest anymore they're trying to bring back some of the money i mean they've spent over 700 million euros in the past six years they want to make most of that back um you have they they can't all of the entire business model was based on working with their network of business businesses and companies in china and asia well they're not allowed they can't they're not paying any of the investors <laughs> aren't making payments and sooning themselves make their money from retail and real estate well, COVID nineteen kind of decimated those two industries, so they have a they have a they have a liquidity issue, massive liquidity issue, and mm. um, so yeah, then that's that's where that is. Uh, so Inter are in trouble, uh, and they're going. So they went after these uh, no transfer fee players uh, with high wages. Um, yeah, of course, that, yeah. that's that's the trade off with like Arturo Vidal, like Alexander Kolarov, like Matteo Darmian. It's mm. um, it's it's a it's a tricky situation for Inter. Inter are in a world of trouble, and then they have Antonio Conte on twelve million euros net per year too. So he's got another year of contract left. Although I have to say, I don't expect him to to honor that. I think he'll resign in the summer. I think he will. Mm. I think he will. Ex- I, I, he. I mean, he's fed up with his situation. Inter are a bit fed up with him because he's very difficult to work with. Um. So um, and and also you know he doesn't. I have a very difficult time seeing him wanting to stay another year at Inter, given the financial situation as it is. And I mean, if Inter were to sell, if Suning were to sell the club, they sell it to a to a capital fund, and they're they they they're there to make money. They're not there to they won't listen to him ranting yeah. and raving about experienced players. They 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 have a they want to make <laughs> money, and and they want to do what Milan are doing, basic or, or Atalanta are doing, basically buy. By young young players that you can have resale value on, young talented players that don't have that don't command high wages. So, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we no one knows, no one knows anything right now. It's just that Inter have debts of up to four hundred million euros, according to some reports. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> it's it's a really serious issue. Yeah, uh, Conte famously fell out with uh, Marina Gronowski at Chelsea before he left, and <laughs> I can't imagine him uh, wanting to work with. Any owners that are coming in with a, fair, a fairly business mentality that aren't going to allow him to to do what he he wants to do. So I mean, sticking with Inter, moving on to outgoings, the one player I don't think I heard you mention from that list you mentioned before is Christian Eriksen. Um, he's left. He's sorry. He stayed at Inter. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised by that at all because um, it was quite clear that no one could pay his wages. <laughs> um, he makes seven and a half million euros net per season, and in this climate, no one wants to take that on. Especially after the last twelve months he's had, where Antonio Conte has made his absolute best to m- make clear to anyone and everyone who wants, who's watching, that he doesn't want him and he doesn't like him, which hardly helps raise the value and interest in a player. Then you had Beppe Marotta, the CEO, basically in order not to have Conte throw a fit. Uh, have to go out there and say that he's not functional to how we play, and this, and then all of a sudden they're all stuck. To, they're all stuck in the same boat. And Christian Eriksen, mm. you know, he he would have been open to leaving, but I mean, it's quite clear that he wanted to, 
he wasn't happy with how things went at Inter. I mean, he he came to Inter because he wanted to he wanted to 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 do leave an imprint in in Italy, um, and with Inter and and uh, you know Conte saying for twelve months that he can't play as a regista, he can't play as a deep play, deep lying midfield playmaker, and then all of a sudden he can, and he's trying to mm-hmm. reschool him to to that role where he's been actually pretty good. I mean, he's played two games, two two games in ten minutes there. Um, you know, 120 minutes in, in the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina, and then 90 minutes against Benevento, and then the last 10 minutes in the Coppa Italia against Milan. So he's been really good there. I mean, he's, he lacks defensively in that in that role because that's yeah. not his role. Yeah. But I, but I, I do think that he has a role to play, and I think I've I'm really I've really liked what I've seen so far. I liked what I saw against Fiorentina. I loved what I saw against Benevento, although it's just Benevento. But it doesn't matter. Because, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't matter because when Inter play Udinese, Sampdoria, Fiorentina, Eriksson is good enough to deal with those situations. He shouldn't be used against Milan, Juve, Lazio, Atalanta because you know you have other players for that that can do that can handle the balance much better. Yeah, I think a lot of people in England have saw the links back to Spurs or the links to Arsenal, actually, funnily enough, uh, in this window and, and prior and assumed he wasn't getting any game time, wasn't playing, and he hasn't played in his favourite position as much as he may have wanted to and made the impact that you, you'd speak, speak about. But it's good to see him back uh, in the 11. You probably got this question, my next one, my next player on my outgoings list. You probably had this question about one million times, but were you surprised to see the Man United's acquisition of Ahmed Diallo uh, a because of the player he is, I haven't seen much of him because he's, you know, as far as I'm aware, has made four league appearances in his career, and also the price tag as well. Well, Atalanta, this is what Atalanta do. They, they are masters at this. They are masters of selling players they don't need for huge sums of money, because yeah. they have probably the best scouting uh, network in 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 all of Italy, which says a lot. I mean, Dejan Kulusevski didn't play a single game pretty much for them. Uh, mm. Basically, and they sold him for 44 million euros to Juventus. He was on loan at Parma and was brilliant there. Um, so th- this is what they do. Um, they are good at selling talented young players. Uh, they're good. They're very good at charging money for them as well. <laughs> so they, they, this is this is what they do. They 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 always they've always done this. Um, and and it's such a well-run club. I think pound for pound, uh, as my colleague Carla Garganese says on the Italian Football Podcast, they are the best-run club in the world. They are a small provincial club from Bergamo mm. and they own their own stadium. They've sold the naming rights to it. It's been rebuilt and refurbished. And they've already, this season, by qualifying for the last for the for the last stages of the Champions League, already paid for their the wages of every single player in that squad. And then you add selling players for 40, 50 million. You're talking about a club that's turning a profit in the, the COVID pandemic financial reality where clubs are going bust it's absolutely remarkable yeah absolutely i can't recall the, uh, the atlanta owner's name we did a, we did a podcast episode on him quite a long time ago now percassi is it true and i'm running this by you i finally have someone to ask this to that he bought a atlanta shirt to every baby in bergamo <laughs> when he joined or after something happened successfully this could be nonsense i read it on a blog <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, I think they do. No, no, they do. What they do is they um, they they buy uh, to all to every Atalanta player born. Uh, sorry, to every player to every child born in the in in that city, they they give a jersey to. Yeah, that's true. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, Good. because uh, they, you know, obviously during normal periods, you know, they, they they do they do that because because there's you know it's local patriotism is big uh, in Italy and, and, yeah. and nowhere is it bigger there than there uh, in in Bergamo, uh, which is a very industrial, hardworking, you know, yeah. classical mm-hmm. working class area. Um, and uh, you know, for them, La Dea, which is the nickname, the goddess, is uh, of the of the club, uh, is 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 part of their lives. They're very proud of it. Uh, mm. So they want they want to keep that local connection. Uh, so yeah, every 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 child born is is gifted a, a shirt. Yeah. So finally, on my, my transfer section, or win, transfer window section, uh, on the outgoings piece is Papa Gomez sticking with Atlanta. Mm. Um, what can you tell us about that situation with Gasparini and his, his eventual exit? Well, look, I, I think there are two sides to this at least. One is that Gasparini is, is, is for Atalanta and Gasparini in the long run I think this was the correct decision because he's getting on a bit in age and this was the last time to cash in on him. Uh, however, having said that, the he was undoubtedly, arguably, the best player in the Serie A last season. He mm. was. He was the best. He was the most consistent. He was the best. With him, Atalanta could have actually had a shot at winning the Scudetto, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and they probably and they could have gone really, really far in the Champions League like they did last season. Yeah, yeah. But with that, but and then you know, part ways with him in the summer. But then, but it, but it, clear, it was clear that Gasperini, who is about as pleasant a human being as a colonoscopy to deal with. <laughs> uh, I've never heard that. I mean, no, he is. I mean, he's not. He could pick a fight with with Buddha. I mean, this man <laughs> is just so disagreeable. He 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 can't get along with anyone. Um, and and he, he it's quite clear that they, you know. The the, the the relationship soured entirely there, um, and and he's not going to apologize for anything. And given that he's Gasperini and he's the coach who's done all the you know written history at the club and blah 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 blah, the, it was always going to be one outcome of that battle. But it's a it's a shame because Papu Gomez was one of the you know was was an attraction of the city art, uh, and he and it was it was such a perfect fit. He was you know he was a club captain. He'd been there for such a long time. He'd been you know he. This was the perfect place for him to be, to to grow and develop, and he, he was brilliant uh, playing under Gasperini. That system, you know, suited him. It's um, it's quite, it's it's really a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame indeed. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the actual scene in the Syria uh, title race at the moment. But first, I wanted to start with the uh, the Coppa Italia there. The night I actually caught a bit of the Juventus Inter Milan game. Um, how how was that? And you know what's quite funny um, now with, with not funny but interesting with. Um, covid is you can hear players um <laughs> celebrate and uh i've heard ronaldo's it was a see you hundreds mm. of times i've heard it with muffled background noise but what was interesting when he scored the other night was you heard all of the players kind of say it together which was um good to see <laughs> um but but what are your your thoughts on that competition i know napoli are the holders but do you think uh, juventus will take that home or will inter come back roaring in the second leg um i think that game is over now um, and Inter gave it away mm. because Inter were better than Juventus in that game. Uh, the, mm. the issue is that, you know, Samir Handanovic is a liability and it's, he's been a liability yeah. for a couple of seasons now. Um, and it's, it's a tanking. I mean, that, that's the thing, you know, in Italy, it's really, they, they're, they're always very carefully, the good, the big clubs are very good at being able to 
replace a goalkeeper before he, you know, when he's just at his peak or has peaked before you have the decline. I mean, Inter did it when they brought in Julio Cesar, when they had Francesco Toldo, and they kind of relegated Toldo to a backup keeper, and then they had Julio Cesar. Then when Julio Cesar... You know, everyone was surprised. Why they why they want to get rid of Julio Cesar and replace him with Handanovic? Well, it turns out that was the correct decision. They didn't do it this time around. They didn't do it with Handanovic. And what we're seeing now is a goalkeeper that is completely falling apart. He's so past his sell by date. He's so past his best. It's it's tragic to watch um, because he's ruining his legacy. This is a goalkeeper who saved Inter in in a decade as dark as the last one. He was one of the few shining spots. Uh, he was phenomenal, and and what we're seeing now is absolutely it's, it's an it's an unraveling that we've not seen before. Um, almost, it's it's quite tragic. It's really sad, um, and and you know what he's always you know his weakness has always been that his positioning is sometimes not always the best, which is why when a lot of shots come in it looks like he doesn't throw himself with care but there's a reason he doesn't throw himself because he's so far away from the ball that it doesn't make any it wouldn't make any sense for him to throw himself after it because he wouldn't get anywhere near it because he's so poorly positioned now that's gotten progressively worse through these through the years to the point now where he's he's just i mean the stats don't lie i mean <laughs> Every almost Inter concede more from first shots on target than than almost any other team in the Serie A, <laughs> um, oh. and 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 that that that's that's how bad this has gotten, and his decision making is atrocious. He, I mean, some of it is obviously due to confidence as well, but another thing is also he's he's this captain. He's the captain of this team, and that is an that is an ab- an abysmal decision. Um, Inter have gotten their captains wrong systematically since Javier Zanetti. First, it was Andrea Ranocchia, which was, I mean, whoever came up with that idea should have his head, head examined. Um, <laughs> he, you know, that, that was just atrocious. Brilliant person, absolutely in terms of personality, but the guy can't play football, which is kind of a good quality to have if you're going to be captain of Inter Football Club. Um, then, then you, you know, they relegated and stripped him of the captaincy, and then they give it of, to of all people, Mauro Icardi, who, <laughs> who, who was, I mean, sure, scored a lot of goals, but a leader, uniting people, not so much. Um, you had his crazy wife sitting on Italian TVs, throwing his teammates under the bus every Sunday on this horrible talk show called Tiki Taka. I mean, yeah. think if, think if Jer- cross match of the day with the Jeremy Kyle show. That's the level. <laughs> you have. That sounds, sounds pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean, just, just just think just exactly like that. Think a live studio audience, and then the the intellectual level of Jeremy Kyle, yeah. and then about football man of man, you know match of the day yeah. with with with. Uh, I mean, it's just, and then you have Antonio Cassano who's there. I mean, I don't know. It's like making Robbie Savage the minister of education it's just so stupidly i mean you literally feel your brain cells commit suicide when you watch that show it is so so horrible um it's trash tv on steroids and and there you you know she was there every week um arguing with everyone and throwing the club under the bus saying stupid things like you know if i could choose between maurito getting a new contract because she was obviously his agent by now uh, if I could choose with Maurito getting a new contract or getting three decent passes every game, I'd choose the latter. 
which is so insanely stupid yeah. and which which caused of course Perisic and them to get furious and tell you know there's this famous story of, of them going up to him and saying can you please tell your wife to stop talking about me on tv uh and and he was subsequently stripped of his captaincy and then they 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 out of you know they gave it to Handanovic who to be fair he didn't want it but was appointed it anyway and took the responsibility and guided that season home but then they continued with him um and that was that was a mistake so you have important you have so many consequential important mistakes made at inter one after the other that what we're seeing now is the perfect storm it's all falling apart the wheels are coming off but having said that i mean i've been very critical of antonio conte because of his his childish tantrums of throwing clubs under the bus that he works for because it's never his fault but you know what we're seeing now is that he's built a group. He's built this. He's united this team of players behind him. Him, they all will go to war for him and die for him. Which is why you see Inter so so high up the league league table. Um, if he hadn't done that, I mean, if he hadn't united the group, I I this season would have been even worse off than it, than it has been. Um, so no, it's so you got to you know you got to be honest and give give the man credit for for the, the good things he's done and and one of those things is united this team to to go out there and fight hand you know tooth and nail for every point and and not allow this madness of the ownership change and the finances right. and and the you know not having been paid for seven seven eight months all that you know they he's managed to, to block that out of the group. Um, so it, it, it is, it is, it is really, really, we're talking about, I mean, Sooning have done so many good things business-wise off the pitch. They really have. They've grown the brand. The business model was sound. I mean, no one could have anticipated in their wildest dreams that we'd have a pandemic like this. Um, and, and that's why everything's going a bit pear-shaped for, for them right now. But, you know, it's it, it is yeah. what it is. We'll have to wait and see how this season goes. I, I I just don't see how Inter, with all these problems, can win the Scudetto. Uh, you know, yeah. we, you you can't have a goalkeeper who's probably the eighth or ninth at best uh, best goalkeeper in the Serie A if you want to win the, win the league. Yeah, I can I completely understand that. As I mentioned before, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I've had years and years and years and years <laughs> and years and some more years and a few more years of terrible goalkeepers. But now we have Ben Leno, which is a bit more of a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, yes, I think the, the point about Inter, we're going to come to Inter a bit later on, but it's sad to see someone, you know, when you, when you have dark times in the club and you're looking for a positive light, it's quite sad to see those big figures kind of fall. You don't want, you don't want to see that, but you want them to go mm-hmm. on a high. Moving on to another player who had uh, quite a few highs, not so many lows, was obviously Andrea Pirlo. And mm. his so managerial appointment came as a bit of a shock to me uh, when that came in. I know that Juventus for a while, there were rumours anyway that they were looking at Pep Guardiola or that, that was kind of one of their targets. And then all of a sudden, Pirlo gets hired as, I believe, the under-23 manager or the youth yeah. team manager. Yeah, the under-23, yeah. And then suddenly, hey, presto, in a few weeks, he then becomes uh, first team manager after Asari departed. So how how has someone so inexperienced fared collectively this season? He's done a really good job. There's no other way to say it. They won their Champions League group. They won the Supercoppa Italiana. They have a game in hand and are very much in the in, in the title race. 
They play Roma this weekend, which will be really interesting. I think I expect them to win that. And if they do, they're, they're, they're very much in the title race. I mean, they play a Napoli who's, who somehow has managed to be in crisis again um, by, I don't know how they've managed that because they had probably the best transfer window of all Italian teams, if we're honest. And on paper, they absolutely are a team that should be in the top four. But it, but it seems that something is soured uh, between Gattuso and, and, and the president there, De Laurentiis, who's very eccentric, but a brilliant businessman. Uh, Napoli are one of the few clubs in world football that have consistently in the past 20 years turned a profit. Um, so, no, I mean, Juve, for me, Pirlo has done really, really well. It was there was always going to be questions asked. Uh, there was always going, to, always going to be question marks, but you can't really. I mean, he's he, you know it was in, it was pretty much understood and implied that he, this was an appointment where he would learn on the job, and he, he he is learning on the job. It's quite evident that he is because after a drubbing or after every mistake, he immediately learns quickly, uh, and 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 learns the lessons that need to be learned and grows from it. And, and and takes them to the next level. So far, he's done that, uh, and I and I think that that is why I, I hold them together with Milan as the favourites to win the Scudetto. But it's a very tight season. I mean, we've not seen a season this tight, I think, ever in my lifetime. There's, mm. I mean, the top seven are in a league of their own. They're, I think they're separated by seven points. The top seven, which is crazy yeah. uh, at this stage. Yeah, I think that's it's really good, isn't it? I think Europe as a whole. There were concerns that we were beginning to see pure dominance from certain teams, right? So in Germany with Bayern, I think they've won eight in a row. Obviously, Juventus have won seven or eight in a row in, in terms of their titles, PSG as well, um, and Spain with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So it's quite nice this year to have uh, some flexibility kind of there. Talking about Pirlo himself and how well he's done, I think the next question I kind of have was, can they deliver uh, what I like to call the Ronaldo project, which is to deliver a Champions League for him? I kind of felt his signing was really a statement, not just for... Um, Juventus, but for Italian football as a whole, obviously the lull of uh, Caltropoli to come to this, to be getting at the time and still for me, one of the world's best players, or if not the best, the number two or number one, whichever way you want to put it. But the question to you is, do you think they can actually win the Champions League until he departs, whenever that may be? I think this is this season is their best chance. They've never had a team that is so adapted to playing in Europe during Cristiano Ronaldo's era as they do right now, in my opinion, that is. Um, I think they they are really really built to win. I think the way they play, the the way they overload, they can the way they can attack in many many ways um, down the wings, um, and and the fact that they are so fluid tactically um, that gives that gives Pirlo a lot of options, uh, and they look really good. I mean, you saw you saw. I mean, obviously Barcelona are are quite a state right now. Um, but mm. that win against them and the other games, I think, showed that this is a really interesting project uh, that he's got going, and a project that I think will, I think, for me, Bayern Munich are the are the clear favourites, then PSG and Man City. But after that, I'd say I have Juve as my dark horse mm. um, to win it. I, I think it's going to be between those four. Uh, but yeah, obviously. Bayern Munich, uh, this, I mean, they are at an apps. They're they're at another level. They are. This, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking. I mean, Bayern Munich in the seventies. I mean, throughout history, have had some bloody good teams. Yeah. They've had some amazing teams. I mean, 
some legendary world champion, European champion, dominating European Cups in the 70s. You know, they, 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 this is Bayern Munich. It's one of the, you know, footballing aristocrac aristocracies <clears throat> in Europe. But this team is probably the best they've ever had, which says so much. Um, and and they, are, they, are, they are just world-class in every position. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see. What what they do, but I do I think they they can do they can win it again for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it'd be you know I'd always be biased and want an English club to win, but I I would like it to return to Italy. It's always nice. I think the European Cups before had a big change of seeing uh, you know multiple countries win it, where now it seems to be quite dominated by a select few nations. So it'd be nice for it to uh, return to Italy. Moving on to. Um, Another uh, part in the title race, as you mentioned, the actual team that's currently top is AC Milan. Now, we, we touched on this earlier, but in in a short answer, how have they actually turned it around? So I know Pioli was in charge and they had the Ragnik issue, which you mentioned earlier. But is it, it, it seems it, it couldn't have just been overnight. Some of these players they built for a long time. But how much of it is down to Pioli himself? Well, I mean, you have to look at it like this. Frank Kessi and Chalanoglu have been there for a couple of years. It took them two, three years to, to adjust and adapt. Uh, and they were pretty young when they got there. Now they've adapted and grown into it uh, and gotten, you know, taken on what it means to play for AC Milan. And they, you know, Chalanoglu is one of the best players in the Serie A this season. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and Kessi, without a doubt, as well. Teo Hernandez, the best left back in the league. You have a Davide Calabria, who has I've all, I've always rated him as a very talented prospect, and he's delivered the goods this season. Yeah. Um, then you know you have Romagnoli, the captain. They have the best goalkeeper in 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 the Serie A by a mile. He's top five in the world, if you ask me. Donnarumma. Um, and and then you have uh, you know you have. You have Benasser, who's incredibly important for them, uh, the midfield playmaker. You have uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's come come back there with a vengeance and fire in his belly to 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 leave a mark to end his career by winning something important. Nothing would be more important than him returning a decade after leaving Milan and restoring them to another title. That, I mean, that would be the ultimate mic drop movement for, for him. I mean, it's at the age of 39, come back and win um, the Scudetto that Milan have not been anywhere near of doing is, is would be such an Ibrahimovic thing to do um, before retiring, which I think he, he probably will. I mean, if they win the Serie A and he returns to the Swedish national team in the summer for the Euros... I, you know, and does well with the national team and breeds, you know, if he leads them to a semi-final final, then he's got no, I mean, what is, what else is he going to do? I mean, <laughs> at the age of 39, turning 40, I mean, it's, 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 it's remarkable. It's out of this world. So, um, <clears throat> no, it's, it's, it's really is, I mean, the same way that everything is falling apart at Inter in the perfect way, it's kind of all come together in the perfect way, cross town uh, at Milan. So, it's uh, it's it's purely it, he was the right man at the right time with the right group of players um, and it, you know it all kind of gelled together. I think they were very. I mean, what Rangnick wanted to do was to re you know rebuild the club from bottom down, meaning another ten years of not winning anything. And Milan decided that that's not what that's not the route they wanted to go. They brought in Maldini and Masara, who understand Italian football, 
better than most and decided that we don't need to rebuild everything from scratch. We are, we're good at some things. We just need to tweak. And so they did and started bringing in some brilliant, talented players and have barely, you know, the, the signings they've made have all turned out to be really well. They've gotten rid of the ones that the previous management made that were abysmal. Um, <laughs> and and the ones that remained, the Kessiers, the Chalanoglus, the Romagnolis, uh, they've 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 improved. They've they've taken huge strides. So it's all come together at Milan. Yeah. So you touched on Inter Milan a few times, uh, basically saying that it's uh, <laughs> it's not gone too too well for them this season. And you know the whole well on the pitch. I mean, it's been it's been so schizophrenic. Mm. They recorded their worst result ever in the Champions League, not finishing last. Mm. Um, the Coppa Italia semi-final is on par with what they've done the past few seasons. Um, the Serie A last season was, I mean, 82 points, second place, phenomenal for Inter. Like, Inter haven't been close to that for over a decade. And now this season, you know, at midway stage, they had 41 points and a second position en route to repeating exactly what they did last season, which is which is good. This is really, really good because this is the most competitive Serie A in, in, in 50 years. I, I saw some Italian journalists say today that after the, you know, after the Second World War, this is the most competitive Serie A and closest mm. Serie A we've had. Inter being second uh, with 44 points is, is, is a phenomenal achievement. Um, and so, so it's been a very schizophrenic season almost. There's no, there's, it's been very good or very bad. The, the famous Gattuso, I don't know if you guys seen it on YouTube when he's in Greece saying sometimes good, sometimes shit. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it's been. I think it's been sometimes very good, sometimes very shit. Mm. Um, so, so there's no in between with Inter, uh, which is classic. It's so classic of the club's DNA. It's Pazza Inter. There's no in between. It's, it's either heaven or hell. You don't do things half-assed. If you're going to mess things up, you do it royally. And same way, if you if you if you've got if you're going to have success, you you're going to have amazing success. You win the treble as the first Italian team ever. There's no there's no in between with Inter. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of so. I, I remember when Conte signed his contract, um, and it was something like 12 million euros a year yeah, compared, to yeah. the other, compared to the other managers. Um, it, it dwarfs them, and there's been a theme from what you've been saying in the pod that Inter love to throw up money. So, is it is it kind of make or break in the sense that with the off the field issues, and I know they've had some schizophrenic issues on the pitch. If if he doesn't deliver the title this year, and as you said, the most competitive league, do you reckon he'll throw his toys out the pram and depart? And then once that happens, will Inter really crumble? I think I think the part where Inter crumble and are facing a difficult future uh, is inevitable given what we're seeing right now. Mm. Um, this is in, uh, you know, uh, I think Conte will leave regardless um, because I, I know for a fact that he wants to return to the Premier League. I know for a fact that he he wants, he likes the, that kind of football, the high intensity football that he wants is what they play in the Premier League. And that's, you know, that's the one, that's the one he likes. Um, but so, and I think Inter are, are in no position. I mean, if he wants to leave and walk away from a 12 million euro net contract per year, Inter will gladly won't stand in his way, <laughs> uh, given the financial situation the club is in. Um, so I think that relationship is definitely coming to an end in the summer. And whether or not, I mean, it, it, I think that it is coming to an end because I think he will want to walk away. Uh, I think he will want something new, start afresh, because I think it's been a, it has been exhausting for him. 
to be at Inter, and Inter have been ex- are exhausted of having to work with him. Um, <laughs> it, it is it is a two way street there because he he's very demanding, um, he's very difficult to work with, but he's brilliant. I mean, he has he's so he's such a complex character, Conte. I mean, he is a tactical genius. He really is. I mean, he changed the game with some of the things he sees that no one else sees. Like for example, when he started using Leonardo Bonucci as some as almost like a quarterback in NFL. But which pin from central defense pinpointing through balls. You've seen that with Inter, and now he's doing it from the left wing, but left central defensive, the central defender position with Bastoni and Kolarov, which is the only reason he wanted Alexander Kolarov to begin with. Um, you know, these these are these are really you know these are innovations, uh, and and he improves players. I mean, the way Bastoni, Barella, Lukaku, Hakimi have grown under this man is is unmistakable. Uh, it, it's it's there. It's it's there for everyone to see. But then you have the 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 negative. I mean, he is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You have the negative side as well because he has this ridiculous obsession with experienced players that are over thirty years old, and he doesn't seem to understand that money is finite. It doesn't grow on trees. You can't just buy everyone you want, whenever you want, how much you want, however you want. It doesn't work like that. Every club in the world has a budget. Uh, and and he he thinks that financial he acts as though financial fair play was something invented by stingy owners like he he doesn't get that um, and and he and he complains and whinges accordingly when it doesn't go his way and doesn't accept uh, responsibility uh, throwing people under the bus like he all he always does this at Juventus at at the Italian national team he did it at, even at Atalanta he did it when he was there he he does it every Chelsea famously he took them to court um, so. Yeah. You know, th- this is this is him. This is him. You know, he he is. It is. It's never. You know, it's he is very. It's 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 either or with him. It's very Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. He's a very complex character. He he really is. But you know, you have to be honest. He's done some amazing work at Inter. If he were to win the Scudetto, the Serie A with Inter, in my opinion, that would be the biggest miracle he's done in his career. This team is in no way the best squad in the Serie A. What you've done here is you've you've kindly set up for my final question, which is, who is going to win the league title? Do you think and why? Now you've you've already mentioned it's the toughest title race in fifty years. Mm. You mentioned the subplots of Inter Milan, how it's looking okay on the pitch, off the pitch it's disastrous, and AC Milan's young squad, the return of Ibra, Perlo, and his fantastic debut season. There's so many subplots and narratives there. But if we were to pin you down for one answer as to who's going to win the league, who would you who would you go for at this moment in time? Oof. That's really hard because I think it's impossible to say. I mean, I said before the season that I think Juve will win it, uh, and I, I still haven't changed my mind. But I mean, if if we, if we were to say out of a hundred percent, I'd say Milan thirty five percent, Juve thirty percent, Inter twenty percent, and <laughs> Atalanta fifteen percent. I've never seen an answer to pie chop before. That's pretty. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> what I would say in terms of pretty. Yeah, because this is so hard. This is so hard. I mean, it is a three three horse race. Uh, it, it's between those three, the three striped teams from the north, and it's very evenly balanced between them. But Inter have a huge problem with 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 Samir Handanovic. Uh, I think that is what's essentially going to cost them. Um, and also backups. I mean, when 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 Juventus bring in substitutions, they bring on uh, they bring on Rabiot and Ramsey, and Inter are resorted to Kolarov and Ashley Young. Uh, 
there's, there's a drop off here. <laughs> there's a drop off here. So, but but I mean, having said that, I I do think that that is that can be that can be kind of you know made amends for by Conte's tactical ability without a doubt because he is that good tactically. I I hold him very high, um, and 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 it's there. I mean, it's the way he sees the game. But um, having said that, I I do I still. I can't choose between Juve and Milan. I really can't. Um, the way, either way I look at it, I I, I, I want to say Juve, but then I think about Milan. No, I, I, it's, it's one of those two. Nima, thank you very much. I think we've came, we've run out of time. We came to the end and uh, that was a brilliant insight across the board from the window to the, the Serie A campaign. So I really thank you for uh, coming on, providing your insight and, um, and your determinations on how the season's going to go. Um, yeah. It's very, very, very interesting run up, and we can't wait to see how this competitive Serie A season pans out. So, no, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right then. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.